Lord, I am completely aware of my utter need for your spirit this morning. I'm completely aware of um, all of our need for your spirit this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help me be very precise with my words, that you would help me be very loving. Lord, that I wouldn't speak anything that's not true, that I wouldn't say anything that's not given to me by you. I pray for um, everyone here. I pray that, Lord, um, you'll convict them where they need conviction, that you'll comfort them where they need comfort. You'll regenerate hearts this morning for those who don't know Christ. For those that are walking with you, perhaps walking with you and have fallen into sin. Lord, I pray that they would be convicted. I pray that they would want to turn from this. I pray that for all of those who are Christians that are walking in the light, Lord, that you would... Teach us all what it means to be the kind of people that go to you daily with confession and repentance. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you were here last week, we talked about repentance, and this week will be really no different. Uh, John is, is leading us there again uh, as we finish chapter 1, and so I want to go ahead and let you know from the, from the beginning that today is a tough word for you and for me to all hear. So um, I don't want to come out and try to um, flower it out or, and make it feel some kind of soft little, you know, delicate little deal here. Um, hopefully today you and I will both come face to face with our, our lack of concern for confession and repentance. And when we come face to face, we won't get mad at Jesus for telling us that we need to do that, but we'll rejoice in the gospel. Um, one other thing I want to uh, kind of talk about. Uh, last week I was talking with one of the staff guys, and, and he, uh, he and I were talking about um, how, if you were here, you can go back and listen to it on iTunes, how I was speaking almost to, well, I was speaking only to men. Every illustration I used was towards men, and I didn't use any, any illustrations that, that spoke to girls and used um, scenarios where you might be in sin. And let me just say, um, that's, that's, that's how I'm going to preach every Sunday. Um, I, I, I'm not discounting ladies at all. I don't think that your walk is unimportant by any means. Um, I just know that men seem to be, um, in America especially, um, less interested in the things of God. And I believe that God has ordained that men should be leaders in the church. And so I want to speak directly to them that they would be convicted and that they would want to um, not let their leadership role just kind of go, but stand up for the things of Christ and start walking in the way that God's ordained that they should walk as leaders. Um, and I think that if you believe the scriptures as ladies, that you want that as well. So again, I'm not trying to at all say that you're unimportant. I, I want you to, as I use examples, I'm going to consciously try to remember to use examples that, that fit in your life as well. But if I don't, just you know, do the reciprocal. Switch the illustration. My wife says, that's what I do for you. I just, whenever you say something to men about, you know, not speaking to their, their wives or leading their wives, I just think about how I should follow. So um, I, I just want you, want you to say that um, I'm preaching to men um, every week because I want men to be attracted to 
this, this kind of um, sermon and this kind of preaching because I want them to step up and lead well. Uh, and I think that if men lead well in churches, not just ours, but if men lead well in every church, that we have much healthier churches, much, much, much healthier churches. Um, 60 to 65 percent of churches are made up of women, which is good. But that means the only question is, where are the men? And so I want to speak to them every week. Um, so today there's one big overarching question that I want to I want to address for us as we as we go in is this. Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the light? Um, here's my goal. Here's my goal. I have one goal today. Um, I want to help you. Um, I want to help you begin to think as a Christian and as I walk as a believer every day for me, every single day should be a day of confession and repentance. That's my goal. Every single day. There should not be a day that goes by where you are not continually confessing and repenting. Not old sin, but current sin. Current sin that you are in. And I'm going to address why you might not think you're in current sin. Um, and I just want to be honest here. Um, you and only you can be truthful and honest here if this pertains to you. Only you. Um, I can't. Make your heart see that you have sin going on right now in your life. That you are neglecting the things of Christ in your life. I can't make you see that. You are going to have to ask God for your prideful heart to show you those things. Um, And so, I'm praying and I have been praying for you that this would happen. Um, This is our award that we won this past week, this past Tuesday, um, it says outstanding civic organization award presented to remedy church for your service and dedication to old port elementary 2010. Um, and so I, I was just thinking, um, this past week, how true is it? Whenever I went and received this award, my wife and my whole family went with me. So it was just a big, you know, it's, it's a hassle when you take a newborn, a two-year-old, a four-year-old and a six-year-old anywhere, especially in a place where they need to be more quiet than loud. So, um, they had to go out and, uh, of the room for a little bit before we, we came back in, and Christy was able to come in. And so we got the award, and we, we, we got it. And, and I'm telling you this story because I'm going to show you just how prideful and sinful I was on Tuesday, and I think that that's the case. I think that's just the case. Um, Cameron, I'm going to put this right here for a little bit. If I forget to get it, I'm sorry. Um, so we get the award, and uh, afterwards, we, we have to take a double stroller. It's just a big mess. Anywhere we go, we got to take, like, Walmart with us. So we're going into the place, and we, we get all the stuff in there, and we're done, and we're walking out. And so, you know, it's, it's a good five, ten minute of unpacking to get everything back in the car. Um, and so we're, we're getting it all in there, and we're driving. We're leaving um, Rolleston Road Elementary, going back to kind of the new Walmart. So we're, I don't know, we're five minutes away. And Christy said, um, where's my diaper bag? And I'm like, oh, you know. I don't know. I didn't see it. I took everything out of the out of the stroller and I didn't see it in the stroller. She goes, it was in the stroller. Well, I took everything out of the stroller and I folded up the stroller. And so if I folded it up, surely I would have smashed your diaper bag and I wouldn't have been able to fold it. So and I'm actually talking kind of like this. I'm sinful, just like you. And I said, I, I don't know. And she, and she goes, well, it's not in the car. So we got to go back and get it. And I was like, all right. So I turn around and so I start coming back. And on the way back, she says, just pull over and check the check the stroller first. But I, I remember in my head, I didn't see it in the stroller. And I was like, no, it's, it's got to be back there. You probably left it in the room. She goes, just pull over. And so instead of um, pulling over, I drive all the way back to the school and get into the parking lot. Right before I get out of the car, I say, all right, I'm going to check the stroller first before I go inside. So I go out and I, I, I'm 
peeking into the stroller and there's the diaper bag. And so um, I'm just like, oh, you know, you, you know, whenever you know you're wrong and you don't want to be wrong and you're just like, oh, I got to get back in the car right now and, and admit that I'm wrong. And it's really, you know, instead of getting in the car and say, Christy, um, I'm sorry. You know, I, I was absolutely wrong. I get back in and I say, I say, uh, JC, JC was in the car. She's my six year old. Um, JC, I told you that that diaper bag was in the stroller. I don't know why mama said it was in the, in the, in the school. And so JC very, you know, aptly says, no, dad, mom said it was in the stroller. You said it wasn't. And I was like, thank you, JC. I appreciate it. And so what's going on right there? What's going on in that moment is my prideful heart does not want to admit that I have sinned. My prideful heart will not even begin to take into the possibility that I have things that are um, sinful. I have things that are going on in my life that I don't even want to look at, that I don't even want to address. And I, I guarantee you, if you would just be honest with yourself, you have that right now. You have ongoing right now. And listen, I'm speaking to Christians right now. If you're an unbeliever, there's no question. And I say unbeliever, I should say those who don't want to follow Christ right now, those who don't believe in Jesus. Um, the Bible's clear that you have. And I don't think you would actually need convincing. I think you would say, I agree with you. I just don't believe in Jesus. But for those of you that have put your faith in Christ, um, you have an ongoing prideful heart that does not want to. It does not want to submit to the things of God and does not want to address the sin in your life. And listen, I want to address that today. My goal is that you would see that that is not the way that you're supposed to walk in the light. All right. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, the fact, these are facts that a man named Jesus came and lived claimed to be God and died on a cross and was raised three days later. And if we put our faith in him, we will be forgiven of all of our sin, the things that we've done and the things that we will do and the current sins we're in. We will be forgiven for all of that. The gospel is the, is the basis of everything I'm going to say today. If you don't know Jesus, you should put your faith in Jesus. You should believe in the gospel, the good news that I just said. That is the absolute basis for everything we're going to say today. All right, now, so I'm starting to think, all right, what is it? What is it um, that makes us be prideful or at least unaware of this sin? Where does this lack of awareness of sin in our life come from? Because I, I just said you have sin in your life. I guarantee you there's things going on in your life. And that might be some kind of new revelation to you right now. For some of you, it might not be. Some of you are painfully aware of the sin you're in. But for some of you, you're just like, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I disagree. And I'm trying to figure out, as I'm, this week as I'm, I'm preparing to talk to you, where does that lack of awareness come from? Because the scriptures are very clear that we all have it. And if you aren't with me, why? Why aren't you with me here? And so I've got, I've got six things that I came up with. Don't write these down. Um, just listen. If you want these things, you can grab it from me later. These are these are at least six, and then these aren't all of them. At least six things of I, where I think this lack of awareness comes from. It could be one of these six, maybe more. Um, the first one is that you have a misunderstanding um, in regard to the lack of holiness of God, or just just a lack of knowledge, because no one's ever week in week out preached to you 
and made you aware of the holiness of God and just how different he is than we are. And because of that, you think that God and you are very similar. He's just a little bit better. You know, he's just he just doesn't sin, but you, you're a good person. And so you're just kind of right under him. And so you think I don't really have sin. I'm almost like him. So that could be one reason your lack of awareness of your sin is because you just haven't been um, educated or week in, week out preached to or you haven't studied the scriptures for yourself um, regarding just how holy God is, how different he is than us. Although absolutely we have similarities. We're made in the image of God, Genesis one. But we're not like him in regard to his holiness. That's one reason. Another one is, and this is absolutely okay. You could be a new believer. You're still very young in your faith. And I would say that's okay. Um, if you are just brand new as a Christian and you're just out, you're just still trying to get an understanding of yourself and how sinful you are. And, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Um, one day for all of us, the vastness of the cross becomes real to us. Um, but maybe you're still new in your faith. And, and I would say that's okay. I'm hoping that God and his grace will give you a glimpse more of just how great he is. Another reason might be um, a lack of understanding in regard to what God counts as sin. It's a little bit different than the first one. You don't understand what sin is and all its depths of depravity and how it uh, pervades your life. You think sin is just some of these big things like killing people and stealing things from, from you just got the Ten Commandments and that's it. Um, and sometimes it's very hard to show sin to people because we love sin. We love it. Um, we love comfort. We love easy. We love the easy way rather than the hard way. And we sometimes have a lack of understanding that the scriptures tell us that to walk with Christ is the hard way, not the easy way. And so you don't you don't even understand the depths of sin. And it manifests its thing, this this lack of understanding of just how pervasive sin in your life is manifests itself in things like um, you still steal music. You you still steal the Internet from your neighbors. Um, you'll still hook up with someone that's not your wife or husband and even um, in small, insignificant ways where your heart, your heart is more drawn. You're, you're more in love with them than you are God. That's sin. It, it's very pervasive in our life and you just don't have an understanding, not of the lack of the holy, not, you know, it's not the first one where you don't have an understanding of the holiness of God. It's you don't have an understanding of just how huge sin is in your life. And so you have this lack of awareness of sin. Um, sometimes it's just a comparison. Sometimes it's just a comparison of others. Um, we, we compare ourselves with other people. Um, we think that that person over there is um, pretty bad and I'm not. And so since they're really bad and I'm not... Um, I'm going to compare myself with them. I'm going to think that um, they're really, really bad and I'm not. And so I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not that bad since they do really bad things. I don't. And so there's a lack of awareness of sin in your life because. You think that because you're not like other people that you don't have sin. Um, sometimes we're too often 
and too busy pointing out everyone else's sin. Um, we point out everyone else's sin. We say that person's got sin. That person's got sin. This person's got sin. This person's got sin. This person's got sin. And I'm too busy to point out everybody else's sin right now to be able to see my own. I think sometimes it's that. And this is the last one. Um, and I think that this is the, the one that maybe if we're honest, it's, it's, uh, this is the one that defines us. This is the one that really shows us who we are. This is the one that, if it's not any of those others, it might be this one. Um, we are literally making zero to very small progression in our Christian, in our Christian life. We're making very little progression in our Christian life. We, we don't find ourselves um, reading. We don't find ourselves praying. We find ourselves more involved with the triviality of the world than anything else. We find ourselves um, more interested in movies, more interested in TV, more interested in pop culture. We find ourselves more interested in the things that are going on in the world. We can't wait for the next movie or show to come out. Um, we, we care more about that thing than we actually do about reading our Bible every day. Um, and I think that this is probably the key one in the lack of awareness of sin, is that we have found ourselves so involved in the things of the world that we aren't yet um, walking with Christ as deep as we should be. Because we just find the world so attractive. And we're not in the Word. And we're not in prayer. And I think that if we're, if, if we're honest, one of these things could be the reason why we have a lack of awareness of things in our life. A lack of awareness of sin in our life is because one of these things might be going on. Um, I was listening to a sermon this past week and I heard a pastor say that um, he's more concerned week in, week out about the nominal Christian in his church that's not born again. Um, he's not he's not unconcerned with real Christians. That's not what he's saying. But he said he's more concerned with the nominal Christian week in, week out in his church that's not born again. And so I think um, as, I, as he's saying that, um, I, I, I agree with that and I find myself leaning that way more, that I'm more concerned week in, week out with the nominal Christian that might be hellbound, that might be um, not born again, who thinks they are. And so I want to address those kind of people today, here today. Um, all right, let me, let's look at the scriptures here. Verse 7. Verse 7 will kind of be our basis to take us in to 8 through, eight through 10. Um, and verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now he's talking to Christians. And so he's telling Christians that they are to walk in the light as he is in the light. So a question that we can ask ourselves is, is can Christians walk in darkness? Can Christians walk in darkness? If we walk in the light as he is in the light. Um, with fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Um, I was reading a commentary and, and a guy named Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. The Christian is not a man or woman who ought to be walking in the light, but so often is walking in darkness. So a Christian is not someone who ought to be walking in the light, but so often is walking in darkness. The Christian is one who, by definition, is always walking in the light. Even though he falls into sin. 
So if you're a believer, you're always walking in the light. There's not a moment if you're a true Christian where you walk in darkness, you walk in light. Because the Bible tells us that to walk in darkness and to walk in light, darkness means we're not in the kingdom of God. We're not Christians. Walking in the light means we are Christians always. And we believe that you can't lose your salvation. And so he's telling us here that um, the Christian is always walking in the light, even though he might fall into sin. By falling into sin, you do not return to walking in darkness. The Christian is not a Christian at all, unless he is walking in the light. So, you are always walking in the light as a Christian. So what are we going to do with that then? What are we as Christians going to do with this, this truth? Um, if we are always walking in the light, but sometimes we find ourselves falling into sin, or we're unaware, but maybe you're becoming aware that you are walking in sin, what are we going to do with that? If we're always walking in the light, are we going to say... Um, well, I'm always forgiven. And since I'm always forgiven, I can just walk in sin. Or, which is not where John takes us right now. John doesn't take us to that idea. Just because we're always forgiven doesn't mean we can walk in sin. Or we can do the second thing that God takes us to, John takes us to, which is confession and repentance. One is not a Christian response. Just saying, well, I'm forgiven. I can keep walking in, 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 you know, in light. I can keep being a Christian because I'm always forgiven. Or the other side is we can, re- we can respond with confession and repentance. That is a Christian response. And that's where John takes us in verse 9. John t- takes us there. All right. So here's the key. Here's the key thing I want you to be thinking about. Um, what do you do with your sin when your sin is the key piece of evidence to show if you're walking in the light or not. What do you do with it? Whenever you sin, what is your response? Because this this next move is one of the key pieces of evidence to show whether you're walking in the light or you are regenerate or you are born again or you are saved or you are a Christian. Whatever the word is you want to put there. What you do is one of the key pieces of evidence to show whether you're walking in the light or not. Because verse nine takes us to a place that we're supposed to, something that we're supposed to be doing. All right. So let's let me um, let me help you see if I haven't already um, that all of us are walking in sin. Look at verse. We're going to look at verses eight and verse ten. They're very similar. Verses eight and verse ten are very similar. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Look at verse ten. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So if we say we have no sin, verse ten, if we say we have not sinned, Um, we deceive ourselves or we make him a liar. So we can, we can see from verses eight and verses 10, right there in the beginning that we know that we are sinners. He's, he's pointing it out to us right away. You are a sinner. Um, there's a few other verses I want to, I want to read to you here. Um, these won't be up on the screen. I just want to read these to you. And I just want you to listen to the Bible as it describes, um, who we are. This is Romans three, starting at verse 10. It says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. The mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood and their path paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
That's describing us. So as Christians, or as people, I should say, as people that have been created by God, we are continually um, not righteous. We are continually not seeking God. This is our, our state before Jesus. Every one of us. Now, as we become Christians, and when we become Christians, we, we find ourselves where we are no longer a slave to sin, but now a slave to righteousness. But even though we have been declared righteous by God, Romans 7 tells us that we still find this, this law at work within us, which is um, we still have sin working itself out within us. So no one, back to verse 8 and 10, um, if we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So we are continually sinning. And so John is going to um, commend the grace of God to us. Whenever you know that you're sinning, you should go and run to the grace of God. Even our good acts, even the good acts that we do can be done with wrong intentions. And wrong intentions can still be sin. Um, Isaiah 64 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. There has been um, a view kind of from the very first century that's been taught that we're not all born completely and totally corrupted. Um, that we, it's called Pelagianism, but um, it, it's the idea that you're kind of um, still born good and that since you're born good, you can, um, you can get away from this propensity to sin and, and, and reach what they would even say in the end. Um, the logical conclusion is that you can reach perfection. And John is trying to pull us away from that, saying that we're totally depraved at birth and we are violently opposed to the things of God. And, and you may say, how am I violently opposed to the things of God at birth? Um, let me just kind of give you a, a, a quick a quick understanding of what I'm saying. Um, God has created every one of us to live for his glory at every moment. At every moment. If there are times in your day where you're not living for the glory of God at every moment, then that's sin. He wants you to live for his glory at every single moment. This means that um, every evil deed you do is sin and every good deed you do is even if it has evil intent, if it's not done for the glory of God, but it's done for the glory of yourself or done for the glory of another person, then that's sin. And he calls that sin. So anyone who says that we have not sinned, um, we deceive ourselves and we make him a liar. So the only thing that we can do is what John tells us is to confess this as sin and repent. So here's, here's one of the questions that I've been thinking. Why is this important to tell to Christians. Why is this important for me as a pastor to tell this to Christians? Um, to make you aware that you're a sinner. Isn't this something that you should already know? Um, isn't this something that you kind of already have dealt with, you believed, and that you've moved on from? Yeah, I believe I'm a sinner. That's why I put my faith in Jesus. Um, well, John's writing to Christians, so he apparently wants Christians to hear this for some reason. Um, it's because they can't reach perfection. It's because they're going to keep on sinning in their life. And it's because confession and repentance isn't just a one-time thing that happens at salvation, but it's something that's supposed to continually happen each day in our life. That's why I need to tell this to Christians. Um, there's going to be for you one day, as there is, I think, for all Christians, one day... Um, God and his mercy will start opening up your awareness to just how gloriously huge the cross is. He's going to 
one day as you're going through your life make you more and more aware of just how sinful you are. And I don't, it's different for all of us and it happens in different ways for all of us. But one day we're going to be walking through life and we're going to say, oh man, that's, that is sinful. And that's much more sinful than I thought. And then one day when that starts happening, we're going to put ourselves under the cross and we're going to see the cross is much more big than I ever comprehended. And when that happens for us, um, thankfulness or worship starts boiling up inside of our hearts and we start living differently. That's why I'm telling you as a Christian, because one day, if this hasn't already happened already, um, I believe this happens for every single person. You know, when when we become Christians, um, we confess our sin and we put our faith in Jesus and we believe, you know, he's going to forgive us of every sin. But as we kind of march through life um, and we see just how sinful we are, we keep on sinning. Um, And I got saved at eight. So it wasn't like um, at eight I was doing these terrible things. But as I kept going through life and kept sinning, I, I began to see just how sinful I was. And as I began to see how sinful I was, I began to understand how big the cross is in forgiving me. Um, if we don't think that the cross is big, then we're deceiving ourselves about how big it is. That's what he says. And you're also deceiving yourself and not getting to experience this great love of God that has been poured out onto you in the cross. The, the only illustration I can think of is this. Um, whenever I became a Christian, um, I'm sorry, whenever I became a parent, I started understanding just how much work my parents had for me and just how much love they must feel for me as their child. Whenever I'm a child, I was a child, um, I knew I had parents and I, and I knew my parents loved me, but I just didn't understand how much they loved me until I became a parent. And then when I became a parent, I began to see, wow, the, the love I feel for my child is, is amazingly amazingly much more large than what I actually perceived as a child that my parents loved for me. And I just think that that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. But as a Christian, there's going to be a day where you're going to start walking and you're going to begin to see that the love that God has for you is much more large than you may have perceived in the very beginning. And when you see that love, the cross in itself becomes tremendously large. Tremendously large. And so I believe that that's going to happen for Everybody that's a Christian at one day. And when it happens, the right thing or the right response that's supposed to happen for for us is indeed thankfulness, indeed worship, but daily confession and repentance of sin. I think that's one of the things that's not happening in our lives. Here's something that uh, was kind of a massive confusion for me. About 10 years ago... um, I was listening to someone that's, that's known pretty well um, as far as preachers go. Known pretty well and um, pretty respected. And 10 years ago, I'm listening to a sermon. And it, it's really kind of confused me over the last 10 years until not too much longer long ago. But um, whenever he was preaching, he was saying that um, if you're a Christian, um, you are righteous. And since you're righteous... God has declared you righteous always. And so you don't have to continually like 
will go down the list of all your wretched sins that you do all the time because he already knows. And since he already knows, he's forgiven all those things. So you're just bringing up stuff that he's already forgiven and you don't have to confess those things. About 10 years ago, I heard that from a from a well-respected preacher. And so I, I, I took that in and I started trying to think about that in my life and, and walk through that in my life. And um, it really, I think, um, didn't... It didn't help me as I started reading verses like this in 1 John 1, 9, which says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Um, I thought that as Christians, we don't have to do that anymore. I thought, well, since I'm already forgiven for everything, I don't necessarily have to confess and repent anymore since I'm already forgiven of everything. Um, but that's just, this is not true. Um, Verse 8 and verse 10 say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So we're obviously sinners. So John has one prescription for us. And it's in verse 9. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, John does not tell us to since you are holy, since you know that you're going to sin, you believe that to just be thankful for forgiveness and don't do anything. What he does is tell us. Confess our sins. And I, I just want to commend to you that daily, that's what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian. And I think that you don't do it because you have a lack of awareness of sin in your life. Um, Calvin was talking about this, this verse, and, and, and he says, we only make due progress when we become really humbled so as to groan under the burden of our sins and learn to flee to the mercy of God. We have to so, see just how sinful we are before we start fleeing to Christ and confessing our sins daily. So there's really um, here, there's about three parts of, in verse nine, three parts of confession that I want you to see. Um, and, and how this is supposed to look in your life. Three parts. Um, the first one is condition. The first one is condition. Um, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins. This is the condition. This is, if you do this. It's conditional. You must do this. If we confess our sins. We must acknowledge our sins. We can't make excuses to not acknowledge our sin. We have to confront it. We have to confess it and we have to do it daily. Um, and as far as confession and repentance goes, we have to confess, not just with our lips, but with a sincere heart behind it. We have to acknowledge truthfully every day. This is my sin. And the, the big question that's out there is this. For those of you that know Jesus, how often do you do this? How often are you confessing your sin? It's conditional here. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Now, I don't want you to think that he hasn't already forgiven your sin in regard to justification. I'm not saying that. But verse 9 is using a conditional statement. If we confess our sins, and we know that he's talking to Christians here. So the first part of this is, con is condition. If we confess our sins. The next thing is this. Um, the next part of it is assurance. This is the second one. He is faithful and just. We can have absolute assurance in the character of God. 
if you confess, here's the second one. He is faithful and just. God keeps his promises. He's faithful. If you confess your sin, God will forgive it. There's not a time where you can bring your most terrible sin that you've ever committed. And he's going to say, that one's too big. I'm not going to forgive that one. He's promising you here. And we're talking about God who always keeps his promises. God will forgive you. So the first one is conditional. If we confess, the next one is assurance. He's faithful and he's just. And here's the last one. It's fulfillment. He will forgive us and cleanse us. He will forgive us and cleanse us. So if we confess, we can, we can trust his assur- and, and his assurance that he will um, keep his promises. And this is what his promise is, is that he will forgive and that he will cleanse. Every day you should be doing this. And every day you should keep this in mind. If I go to God, there's not going to be a moment where he's not going to forgive me. He will forgive and he will cleanse. The forgive, this word forgive, um, is talking about canceling the debt. He will cancel the debt that is against you. And then cleanse is, not only does he cancel this debt, cleanses, he makes you holy. He cancels the debt that you have done and he makes you holy. He faithfully does this. Now, yes, one can say, well, doesn't he actually do this at justification? Isn't this actually the whole thing that he does at justification? Yes, it is what he does at justification. I'm not going to minimize the verses in the Bible all throughout the scriptures that say, um, when you put your faith in Christ, you are absolutely forgiven for every single sin. Yes, you are. But we're, we're talking about walking in the light. And for those that walk in the light, confession and repentance is supposed to be an ongoing daily activity in your life. Calvin says this. Well, let me let me say this. Um, here's where our sinful minds could go. Here's where our sinful minds can go. Okay, um, I agree with you. I I do think that I'm supposed to confess and repent every day. You've made me aware of my sin, so I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start confessing and repenting from my sin every single day. Um, so, um, I like to sin. God likes to forgive. Sounds like a good relationship. So, I'm going to just keep sinning. And instead of stopping sinning, like you told me, I, I sin every day, Fud. So, um, instead of just trying to sin less... I'm just going to keep going at the same rate of sin, but instead of just not confessing it, I'm just going to start confessing it every day. Easily, your sinful mind and my sinful mind could go there. Um, But again, that's not where John is taking you. He's not saying, be aware of your sin, so just keep doing it, and just make sure you confess it all the time. It's a good relationship. You like to sin, you like to forgive, keep going on. Um, listen Listen to this quote from Calvin. God indeed forgives freely, but in such a way that the facility of mercy or this forgiveness that he gives you, this mercy that he overflows to you, the facility of mercy does not become a means or does not become an enticement to sin. 
Just because he is going to forgive you when you confess is not supposed to entice you to continue to sin. Instead, is it supposed to entice you to do, to do the opposite, to walk away from sin. Whenever you've been forgiven by someone that you love, if you sin against your wife and you know that she's always going to forgive you, it's not supposed to entice you to keep sinning against your wife. It's to, as she forgives you and shows you this unbelievable love and forgives you, it's supposed to entice you to want to live for her in the same way for God. Whenever you experience the forgiveness, you're supposed to want to live for him. In Romans 6.1 and Romans 6.15, Paul addresses that. Shall we keep sinning so that grace may abound? Shall we keep on sinning just because he's going to keep forgive us? And he says, may it never be by no means. So we're never supposed to live um, in sin continually and be happy and be happy with it or be fine with it just because we're forgiven every day. We're supposed to confess and repent, confess for the lack of interest in the things of God. Perhaps you just have a lack of interest in the things of God. Confess and repent that. Confess and repent for the lack of interest in sharing your faith with people. Confess and repent for the, um, for the lack of reading your word and spending time with God. Confess and repent for the lack of leading your family or for wives, the lack of following your husband's headship. Um, for the lack of working hard in your job. There's all kinds of things that we can daily Confess and and I, and I don't know what you, what sins you're walking in. I just know that God is continually saying, First John one nine, First John one nine. Martin Luther says that all of the Christian life is one of confession and repentance. I want to read you a quote from Doctor Martin Lloyd Jones um, regarding this confession of repentance, and and this is a, this is a little bit of a long quote. Just stay with me. He says we must recognize our sins. In particular, in particular, this is a painful process. <laughs> that's, that's an understatement. This is a painful process. But I'm not, I mean, who am I to say Dr. Morton Lloyd-Jones isn't going to shoot it straight with you. I mean, he's, he's the man. He lived about 100 years ago in London. He was well, a little less than 100 years ago. He said, this is a painful process to confess my sins does not just mean that I say in general, well... I'm a sinner. I've never claimed to be a saint. It's not to say um, that confession of sins is just some kind of general statement. Well, I'm a sinner. That's not what he's saying. He says, no, rather it comes to the details. I must confess my particular sins. I must name them one by one. It means that I must not gloss over them. I must not attempt to deny them. I must confess them. I must look at them. There must be no attempt and on behalf of me, to dismiss them as quickly as possible. Confession means that confession means facing them, not trying to balance up the sins that I've committed against the good deeds that I have done. Um, it means that I must let the light so search me that I feel miserable and wretched. This honest facing of the things that I have done and of what I of what I am. It means that I must confess it to God in words. That's what he says regarding the particular um, confession of our sins in words daily that we're supposed to do it every single day. Um, this is where I want to end, though. I want to take you back. Um, I want to take you back to verse nine, because verse nine is pretty key. I, I know I've kind of been um, continually trying to point out 
your sinfulness. I've been trying to continually point out how, how wretched you are, how unaware you might be of your sin, how much you might live in sin every single day, um, and, and just kind of like taking a big Bible club and just beating you over the head, sinner, 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 sinner. Um, and I'm the same way. Every one of us, including myself, needs to go back to these particular words and hear these words. Because I don't want to end with just trying to show you how particularly sinful you are. Go back to verse 9. And I want you to circle these three words. It says, if we confess our sins, right here. He is faithful. That's where all of our hope lies. He is faithful. God is faithful. Do you believe that this morning? You aren't faithful. I'm not faithful. God is faithful. You're not confessing your sin to someone that might forgive. He will forgive. God is faithful. He demonstrated to us that He is faithful by giving His Son for us on the cross for our sins. God is faithful. He's faithful. He is going to keep His promise to forgive you. Becoming aware of your sin is not meant to just bring you to despair. It is to make you rejoice in the greatness of God that He is faithful. You can go to Christ right now and confess and He will hear you and He will forgive you because He's faithful. You don't love Christ like you should. I don't love Christ like I should. But He always loves us because He's faithful. God is faithful. Are you hearing this morning in regard to your sin? I'm not wanting you just to feel the depths and wretchedness of your sin. I'm wanting you to go to Christ and see and experience this vast love that He has for you and has shown you and demonstrated to you in the cross because He's faithful. He's promised to forgive you your sin when you confess it to Him because He's faithful. He's promised to do it and He does it. He always does it because he's faithful. So as we go into our response, I want you to clearly, yes, be aware of your sin. And clearly, yes, make a daily practice of confession and repentance. But to key in on or be given hope and peace in the faithfulness of God through Christ, that He loves you. So we're going to sing about His great love for us. We're going to respond by telling Christ how much we love Him and rejoicing in His faithfulness to forgive our sin. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. 
I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I'm sorry that I don't live for you as often as I should. I want to. And I I know that's the depths of all of our who are believers truly regenerate by you. That's the depths of our soul's cry. But we don't. Make us aware of our sin this morning. Make us aware of our daily need for confession and repentance. But more than that, make us aware of your love for us and your faithfulness to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.